Welcome to High Cheese. It's Friday, February 16th, 2024. And I wanted to start with some other topics, but Fannie Willis decided to testify yesterday on her disqualification hearing. And I just got to lead with this because justice is supposed to be blind. It's supposed to be dished out equally and fairly. And quite frankly, after hearing her testimony, you cannot come to that conclusion with Fannie Willis. She came across as arrogant, better than everyone else. How dare you question me? That was her attitude. And this is what our justice system today is being represented by. A person like Fannie Willis. I am the law. Now, that moniker was created by Jersey City Mayor Frank Haig. He was the mayor of Jersey City from in the 1940s. And he had all the power. And he would frequently say, I am the law. And this is Fannie Lewis's attitude. And this is the attitude of all the judges that are going after Donald Trump. I'm going to use my position of power, whether it's a judge, whether it's a prosecutor, and throw justice out the window just to get Donald Trump. And this is what we see here with Fannie Lewis. It's not about fairness. It's not about the law. I am going to do this because I'm a Democrat and I'm going after Donald Trump. And how dare you question me? And quite frankly, it was just an atrocious presentation by Fannie. She argued with the attorney. She argued with the judge. And she wasn't supposed to testify. She was uh, fighting it. And all of a sudden, um, in the middle of the hearing, she came out to testify out of the blue. So with that said, go, let's go to a couple of clips by her, and then we'll come back and discuss. So your office objected to us getting um, Delta records for flights that you may have taken when no, Mr. Wade. Well, no, no, no. Look, I object to you getting records. You've been intrusive into people's personal lives. You're confused. You think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. How dare you question me? I'm going after Donald Trump and over a dozen of innocent people. How dare you? And then the next clip I want to play is she attacks the attorney and she starts arguing with the judge. Now, the crux of this case is whether Fannie had a relationship with Nathan Wade before she hired him to prosecute Donald Trump. And both Wade and uh, Willis said in court documents that, nope, they didn't have a relationship before, before he was hired. But it came out in the hearing that Fannie Willis's former best friend said, yeah, they did have a relationship prior to Wade getting hired, which creates all kinds of ethical problems, possibly criminal problems. But I digress. And let's go to this clip where she's attacking the attorney calls her agenda undemocratic because she represents democracy. And anybody that is against her is against democracy. And this is the whole mindset of the Democrat Party and the far left. Oh, you don't agree with me? You're undemocratic. You're against democracy. Because I represent democracy. These institutions represent democracy, not the American people. And if you don't agree with it, you're undemocratic. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. 
Um, isn't it true that you met Mr. Wade in October 2019? Well, I'm going to judge's conference. We haven't gotten to the point where Ms. Willis should be treated hostile in this situation. I think we well, have. I very much want to be here, so I'm not a hostile witness. I very much want to be here. Not so much that you're hostile, Ms. Willis, it'd be an adverse witness. Your interests are opposed to Ms. Merchant's. Thank you. Merchant's interests are contrary to democracy, Your Honor, not to mine. And then at some point, Fanny loses all composure. And it gets to the point where the judge has to stop her to take a five-minute break so she can settle down. So let's go to the clip. Give me the time period. Mr. Wade visits you at the place you laid your head. When? Has he ever visited you at the place you laid your head? So let's be clear because you lied in this, this. Let me tell you which one you lied in right here. I think you lied right here. No, 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 no. This is the truth, Judge. And this is, it, it is a lie. It is a lie. Mr. Sena, thank you. We're going to take five minutes. Be back in five. And one last thing before we move on. Nathan Wade paid for a number of trips for her and Fanny. California, cruises. I think one was to Belize. And Fanny claims that she reimbursed Nathan Wade for all these trips. Well, how did you pay him? Well, I paid him with cash. Of course. I'm not surprised. Well, can you account for it? No, I can't account for it. And then she went on to claim, says, oh, I always keep a, a stash of cash in my house, just in case. She mentioned, oh, it's a black thing. Now, this is the same defense that Bob Menendez is using. In Bob Menendez's case, they asked him, well, why did you have this gold and all this cash in your house? Well, he said, uh, well, it's a Hispanic thing keep cash in house no it's not it's not a black thing it's not a hispanic thing there's a lot of americans that keep cash in their house problem with fanny is he can't she can't account for it well how did you accumulate this cash did you have uh, a debit card with withdrawals that uh, resulted in you accumulating all this cash she didn't so she can't account for the so-called cash that she kept in her house and she can't account for the cash that she paid nathan wade so as we speak, we're in the second day of the, tri- uh, of the hearing, and I guess it was agreed by both parties that uh, Fanny won't testify again. As we know, she may march into the room. Who knows? Now it all comes down to the judge and how the judge is going to, uh, what the judge is going to decide. Now I've heard that the judge at one point worked for Fanny Willis. Now I'm not sure if that's confirmed or not. But he seems reasonable so far. So we shall see. So the Senate passed a Ukraine bill this past week, which included $60 billion for Ukraine, I think $14 billion for Israel, and smaller amounts for Taiwan and humanitarian aid. I think that that was going to Gaza. But nothing for our own border. Ukraine's border is important. The United States' own border is not important to these Republicans, 22 Republicans sided with the Democrats to pass this package, this Ukraine package. And the good news is that uh, Speaker Johnson said that it's DOA once it hits the House. And here's what I find really, really intriguing. And this is the deep state at work. So within hours after Speaker Johnson said that this uh, Senate bill for Ukraine is DOA, Chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Mike Turner, releases a press statement that says, 
Today, the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence has made available to all members of Congress information concerning a serious national threat. I am requesting that the President of the United States declassify all information relating to this threat so that Congress, the administration, and our allies can openly discuss the actions necessary to respond to this threat. Now, in coordination with this, it was leaked to the press that it had something to do with Russia and Russia putting nuclear weapons in space. This has been known for years. Scientists have been writing about this for years. Remember Star Wars with Ronald Reagan proposing that the United States put uh, anti-missile missiles in space? And clearly, Russia has been working on the same thing since then. So this is not news. But what it is, it's the deep state coordinating with the press and certain members of Congress to scare us. Make Russia the threat. We need to stop Russia from putting nuclear weapons in space. So let's give Ukraine more money. And this is how they work. They're trying to bully Johnson and the House Republicans into voting for this package. Ukraine borders first, U.S. borders last. And if you vote against it, we're going to scare you. We're going to bully you into voting for it. But I just find it really ironic that this is just clearly transparent. Oh, and by the way, Mike Turner was in Ukraine several days before he released this. Very interesting. And Senator J.D. Vance also came out with an interesting item relating to this legislation coming from the Senate. And let me go to an article from the Gateway Pundit. And it says here, J.D. Vance finds an impeachment time bomb aimed at Trump in the Ukraine aid bill. Says Senator J.D. Vance raised the alarm on Monday that the $95 billion Senate bill to fund the Ukraine war contains an impeachment time bomb aimed at former President Donald Trump if he wins re-election in November, and called on his Republican colleagues to vote against it. He said, buried in the bill's text is an impeachment time bomb for the next Trump presidency if, if he tries to stop funding the war in Ukraine. We must vote against this disastrous bill. So Vance wrote in a memo, the bill contains $1.6 billion for foreign military assistance in Ukraine and $13.7 billion for the Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative. These funds expire on September 30th, 2025, nearly a year in the possible second term of President Trump. He noted that these are the same accounts that the then-President Trump was impeached uh, for pausing in December of 2019. And then he warned, if President Trump were to withdraw from or pause financial support for the war in Ukraine in order to bring the conflict to a peaceful conclusion over the objections of career experts, it would amount to the same fake violations of budget law from the first impeachment under markedly similar facts and circumstances. And the Senate is so devious. This uniparty is so devious. So we shall see. Now, Donald Trump just came out with a really good piece of policy, and it has to do with all of this foreign aid that we give all these countries, whether it's Ukraine for war, whether it's money to all these countries that hate us. And what he said is that once he's president, he's going to change this aid to loans. So no, no longer will it be just money handed over to these countries. No, he's going to say the United States will loan you this money. And in the event you become prosperous, we will expect you to pay us that loan back. And in the event that you do something that is not in the interest of 
the United States, we want that money back. That's a great piece of policy. Now, while we're on the subject of Russia, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, Tucker Carlson's interview with uh, Putin. And again, he's taking a lot of heat for it. We've got people saying that, let's not let him back into the country. We've got the European Union said, let's sanction him. All for being a journalist. And here's the important thing with this, uh, coming from this interview. And it has to do with uh, Americans are no longer naive. They're more sophisticated with information. They're more sophisticated and they expect more from their government as far as being truthful. And with that said, you have to understand where your adversary is coming from. What motivates your adversary? And you need to know this because at some point you're going to have to settle with them. And this whole denial and this whole ignoring your enemy that seems to be the cornerstone of this administration is just bizarre. But again, I'm not surprised because they're filled with non-serious people. And this was the magic of Trump. He could go to an enemy, someone he's in conflict with, and talk it out. Understand where Kim Jong-un was coming from. Understanding where Putin was coming from. Not Not that you agree with it. But you have to understand that in order to negotiate and meet halfway with another country, you have to understand what motivates them. And let's go into this. Uh, interview. And there's several takeaways that uh, had motivated Putin to go into Ukraine. After the fall of the Soviet Union, NATO was expanding into these former Soviet satellite countries. And, and they were pushing closer and closer to the border of Russia. Putin has always said that the, the red line is drawn with Ukraine. Ukraine is not going into NATO. He's always said that. And he's always let them know. Now, the first step he took was in 2014 when Russia annexed Crimea, which is in the southeastern portion of Ukraine. And that was the direct result, according to Putin, of the 2014 coup, presidential coup in in Kiev. What happened is, is that a president was elected in Ukraine in 2014. And it wasn't overtly pro-Western. It was kind of neutral between Russia and the West. And as a result, the United States, with the CIA, created a coup and put a pro-Western president in there. And it got to the point where they have tapes of Victoria Nuland, one of the top neocons in the Biden administration, and she was a top neocon back then, picking and choosing high-ranking positions in the new Ukrainian government. So what happened is, is that Russia has part of its navy located in Crimea. And there's a lot of people in Crimea that identify as being Russian. So they had to take it to protect these Russian people and to protect their navy. Now, again, I'm not agreeing with him. I'm just stating this is where he's coming from. Now, secondly, there was the issue with the Donbass region and the Luhansk region. These are regions in the eastern part of Ukraine, which border directly Russia. And in this area, Russian-speaking Ukrainians were at war with Kiev, and it was going on for years and years. What happened is, in 2014, there was supposed to be some type of peace agreement, the Minsk Agreement. And this was to settle this ongoing war between Ukraine and those Russian-speaking separatists. 
Now, I don't know if this tr- is true, but uh, Putin did say that these uh, people of Donetsk and Luhansk had voted to become part of Russia. But at the time, Russia said, no, 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 let's, let's work this out first. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, the new Western-approved administration in Kiev just disregarded the Minsk Accord, and they continued this ongoing war with the people in Donetsk and Luhansk. As a matter of fact, he's, uh, Putin mentioned, and I can't confirm this, is that the, the new government had banned the Russian language from Ukraine. And at some point, he just decided he had to protect those people. Uh, but the, the real key thing, and this is just my observation, the real key thing is that um, letting Ukraine into NATO is unacceptable to the Russians because it would allow them to put nuclear weapons right on the border of Russia. And you're talking about, with that capacity, with being able to put those nuclear weapons on the border of Russia and Ukraine with a NATO-approved Ukraine. You could hit key cities in Russia in minutes. Many of us remember the Cuban Missile Crisis, where we just could not accept Russia putting uh, missiles in uh, Cuba that could hit a lot of cities in the United States in minutes. Well, at the same time, Putin doesn't want that. He doesn't want uh, missiles in Ukraine in order to hit Russian cities in minutes. So he's not just looking for expansion. He's looking for protection of his country. And again, I'm not saying I'm pro-Putin here. He's not a good guy. But you have to understand where he's coming from. Because if you ignore him, you'll never settle anything. Now, there's also this other thing about um, the Nazis. He's, Putin's already, always talking about the denazification of Ukraine. I don't know why Western media just ignores it or denies it, but there are Nazis in Ukraine. You've got the Azov group. These are Nazis, neo-Nazis that are fighting against, for Ukraine, fighting against Russia. They've had neo-Nazis parties elected to their parliament. And from an historical standpoint, you have had Ukrainians that fought with Nazis against Russia in World War II. So you can understand that Putin isn't too happy with Nazis in Ukraine. But again, this is all done not to promote Putin, but we have to understand the motivations of your adversaries. Because if you just can't ignore them, you're just going to wind up in a fistfight all the time with everybody. And that's an infantile way to respond to international affairs. Okay, so we shall see. On the impeachment front, Alejandro Mayorkas was impeached this week. It took two votes to do it, but they got it done. So the next step is he will be tried in the Senate. And we shall see what happens. And we'll see what happens. Now, on the Joe Biden impeachment front, the House Oversight Committee met with Tony Bobulinski, a close associate of Hunter Biden. And Bobulinski, according to reports, just confirmed many things that we already knew. Joe Biden was the brand, and his family sold that brand. And Joe Biden was actively involved with selling that brand. He met with Hunter Biden business associates, James Biden business associates. And some of those business associates were from the Chinese government. Now, a story came out also that the Department of Justice indicted one of their informants. And this informant was indicted for lying about Joe Biden and his involvement with Ukraine. 
Isn't that special? Not surprising. Isn't that special? And this is nothing more than an attempt to undermine the impeachment of Joe Biden. So there's more to see regarding this. Well, I just want to talk a few moments about the special election in New York 3, and that was to fill the seat of George Santos, who was kicked out of Congress by an orchestration designed by Kevin McCarthy. Now, the Democrat, Tom Suozzi, won. And if there's anything that these Republicans in blue states should learn is that they have to embrace Donald Trump in these elections. Now, the Republican candidate, last name's Mazzy, she didn't embrace Donald Trump. Somebody was advising her, oh, keep an arm's length with Donald Trump. Don't embrace him. It's going to hurt you. And I've seen it in 2022. Those candidates that did not embrace Donald Trump in blue states, in purple areas, lost. And it's, if there's anything that we can learn from this, case, uh, from this race, you got to embrace Donald Trump. Okay, this just in. That crazy judge from New York, Engeron, just fine. Donald Trump, $355 million for fraud. Now, we don't know what fraud was perpetrated because Engeron claims that Trump overestimated the value of his properties when he went for a loan. Now, the loan was paid back, but Engeron said that, oh, you still, you still, uh, you overinflated the value of your property. Now, here's the same judge that said that Mar-a-Lago was only worth $28 million, when in the market today, Trump can get close to a billion dollars for it. Think about that. No one was hurt. Trump paid the loan back, but this judge comes in and decides that, oh, no, 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 you overinflated the value of your property. That's fraud. Even though you paid back the loan, that's fraud. In what world does this take place? In this Trump-hating world, this takes place. When you have Democrat judges, Democrat prosecutors perverting the law against a political enemy. And let me tell you, if they can do it to Donald Trump, they can do it to you. $355 million fine. That's a lot of money, even for a billionaire. That's a lot of money. Now, Trump is going to appeal it. The only downside is that he gets to appeal this to the New York State Supreme Court, which is filled with Democrat appointees. Now, he can take it to the Supreme Court on other grounds, but, but he can appeal this, and let's see what the appeal process takes. And you know what I think? It, 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 it almost seems that all of these crazy Democrats, these crazy judges, these crazy prosecutors, they're all trying to one-up each other at the expense of the Constitution, at the expense of America. But remember, it's not about us. It's about them. It's about them maintaining power. It's about them lust for power. It's about them trying to deny your ability to vote for who you want to. The guy did nothing wrong. He took a loan out, paid it back, and this tr- crazy judge comes in and says you overinflated the value of your properties. But again, this is another reason to get behind Donald Trump. This guy's fighting for you. He's spending a lot of money. He just got a judgment against him for $355 million. And remember that on election day. So we shall see. Okay, let's talk about Bidenomics for a few minutes. And uh, CPI and PPI numbers came in this week. And they were both higher than the previous month. So the rate of inflation has gone up from the 
previous month. And I don't need to tell you that. Any of you people that shop out there in the stores know that prices are still high. So we can't be fooled by these uh, knuckleheads in the government telling us, oh, the rate of inflation is going down. Inflation is high. It just went up higher. And that's Bidenomics. Now, the other important economic report that came out is U.S. retail sales. And U.S. retail sales came in surprisingly lower than estimated, came in at a negative 0.8%. And the estimate was supposed to be a negative 0.3%. That's a dramatic drop. And one thing you have to understand is that the economy, about 70% of the economy is made up by consumers. And if retail sales continue to drop like this, we're probably looking at a contracting economy. And I fear that we're looking at a contracting economy with inflation still going up. But that's Bidenomics for you, and I think that's what we're going to get eventually. So with that said, thank you very much for listening. You have a good week, and I will talk to you next Saturday.